0: Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, supported by Leapfrog Recruitment Consultants. Coming up, after making a surprise appearance in Sunday's opening road race of the season, we catch up with cycling pro
1: Sam Covwell about the summer ahead and the hurdles he's already had to overcome in his short career. Had a lot of disruption in the last couple of years, which has been... Uh, really frustrating given like the step up to like being a ride for Trinity and hoping um, this year goes a lot more smoothly and I like, get in a lot of races, uh, a lot of opportunities and uh, can hopefully come away with a few results.
0: Guernsey's cricketers are off to the Aegeus Bowl, the home of Hampshire this weekend. Part of their preparations for a packed summer of inter-island and international cricket. We'll hear from Guernsey cricket CEO, Mark Latter.
2: We wanted to change it up a bit and uh, really uh, magnify the fact that this year was going to be different to the last two. That all being well, we're going to be out travelling, playing cricket um, off an island, and also having teams coming into Ireland.
0: Plus, we'll look back at what's been happening this week, including rugby and motor racing, and preview the weekend action. Uh, I'm Tony Kerr, and alongside me, as ever, is Gareth the Prevost. Hi, Tony. Great to see you, Gareth. Um, our thanks again to Leapfrog Recruitment Consultants for their support of this episode. Uh, plenty to get into today, Gareth. We were both down at Guernsey Raiders on Friday night, uh, where Jordan Reynolds' men were edged out by another strong side in Bury St Edmunds. At uh, 15.20 it finished. Uh, three defeats in a row now for Raiders but they've been in all three contests um, to a less or greater extent and they've got a good chance to turn things around at the weekend uh, they go to second from bottom Westcliff. it was a great turnout for that Friday Night Lights uh, double header with the Vikings also in action um, ugh, yeah do you think there's a bit of disappointment in the Raiders camp that they couldn't get over the line in that one
3: I think there definitely was in the end Tony it was um uh, I, th- I think Barry and Edmunds were probably value for their, their half-time lead, for sure. Um, they led by five points, but Raiders were knocking on the door a lot in that second half. And for a side like Raiders, who've got so much attacking ability, to come away with only sort of three points, which was kicked after time was up, just to ensure they got a losing bonus point, that was pretty sort of frustrating for the home team. Um, I know, sort of straight after the game, Jordan Reynolds was was pretty angry. Well, he wasn't um, in the best of moods when I spoke to him after the game. I think um, since that time, he's he sort of he's he's eased off a bit. He's calmed down a bit. Um, they, they just, I think the the players got frustrated. They were trying, as he sort of put it to me today, they were trying to overdo things. They weren't keeping things simple, sort of. Uh, when they when they had the opportunities to score tries, either the ball went down or there was a couple of incidents of crossing in midfield, which is pretty unusual for Raiders. And it just turned into just one of those nights where you just knew that it wasn't going to come off in the end. And um, yeah, it's a shame, but Barry St. Evans are a good side. They'd, they'd, sort of, um, they'd had an unbeaten run of eight games before um, losing to one of the top sides the week before. And they were very quick as well. They had, um, I mean, their their winger was one of the quickest I think I've ever seen at um, Foots Lane. He was lightning, uh, and it was a very different game to the previous week against Clifton, when Raiders played so well and really should have probably come away with the win. Um, they they can't really have that argument against Bury St Edmunds, but it. It was one of those things. And um, I, like you say, I think they've got a good chance getting back to winning ways against Westcliff for this weekend.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. And uh, yeah, it was just a, a, a nice atmosphere down there on a Friday night, bit of a different feel. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be encouraging to, to everyone in the Raiders setup to see the support that's continued throughout the season.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, it was good that um, uh, Vikings played sort of ahead of them and they had a good crowd and obviously they stayed round and their players stayed round to watch the Raiders support them. Um, yeah, it was, it was just a really nice evening to be there. Obviously, the weather played played a good part in that as well. It was uh, just a really nice night to play rugby. Um, yeah, just a shame the results didn't go the locals way, really.
0: Yeah, and speaking of results not going the right way, we spoke about hockey last week, looking into that sort of second batch of entrances in the space of four months. Um, and it wasn't particularly a day to remember for Guernsey over in Jersey. Back to the, to the traditional slate of seconds and thirds games as well, um, and, and most of them going Jersey's way. Um, in the first games, um, for the women, it was Jersey won 5 one so pretty comfortable victory there, uh, certainly by way of the scoreline. And then in the men's game, another one-all draw, um, Guernsey coming back into it after conceding early to, to retain the trophy. So that is a positive that comes out the weekend.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um like they say in the in the hockey circles uh, the big stick turned red because for the overall sort of day they have a they do have a large hockey stick which is painted red on one side and green the other and depending on which side wins the most games it, it turns one way or the other. So it turned red quite emphatically last week. Um but when it comes to the first team games, I wasn't overly surprised the jersey ladies won their game. They're a very strong outfit. Um Guernsey obviously did well. They got a draw over here back in November. They were missing a couple of that side for this for this um, game. And um, obviously, uh, when you're missing some, a couple of key figures, it, it, it's hard to, to overcome. Um, on the men's side of things, it was um, very much, by all accounts, a game of two halves. Jersey deserved to be ahead at half time and then Guernsey certainly deserved to get their equaliser in the second half and uh judging by what coach Andy Good felt for the game, he he was very disappointed they didn't go on to win it and um, when the Jersey goalkeeper is man of the match I think that says speaks volumes as to how much Guernsey pressed in that second half.
0: Yeah, it does feel I think we spoke about it off the back of the games in November. It feels slightly unsatisfying to, to finish on a draw. It does. I still I still quite like that format that um
3: the holder retains it because it does mean that those who uh, aren't in possession of the trophy have to go out and try and win it. Um, as, as it turned out, it seems this time the holders, Guernsey and the men's, went out, all, all guns blazing, trying to retain it with a victory. And uh, they, they perhaps deserve to on the day. Um, but no, it's, uh, yeah, I, I sort of get what you mean on the, on the draw. It, it'd be nice f- for someone to emerge winners. But um, yeah, I think it does uh, help. Uh, have an open game if if a holder retains because you have to go out for the win and you can't hold out for for, for say the loss of a penalty shootout or anything like that.
0: Yeah, it's been a busy season of intrinsic hockey, kind of unusually busy. Um, so they'll have a little way to wait um, now to to have another crack at them.
3: Well, we're getting back to sort of normal now. So now we've actually had intrinsic in in uh, March. I, I think we're fingers crossed back to that on a regular basis now and it was good that Jersey got to host one having sort of had their new clubhouse for basically for the best part of three years but they've never hosted an inter there because of the, the pandemic hitting it when it did um, so it was a uh, it was a good day for, uh, you know it's a good day for Jersey hockey in that
0: regard as well. Yeah it looked like a good occasion. A bit further afield at the weekend uh, Seb Prier was making his debut in the uh, FIA World Endurance Championship and I have to say some of the footage that I saw on Twitter of this race. I mean, it, it, it's it's a spectacular event in itself. I mean, the cars are like next level kind of sort of, it's, it's like a sort of childhood dream car, isn't it? If you've it's, got, it's, got,
3: it's like poster cars. Yeah, right? exactly. When you see them, you just think, wow, you wouldn't see those on the roads anywhere, that's yeah, for sure.
0: it's extraordinary. But, and then it, the weather that they had on the day, I mean, I think it was red flagged in the end of the race um, uh, and was brought to an early conclusion. Was some spectacular sort of storms around. It, it looked like, the most extraordinary sort of racing video game you've kind of ever seen like, a, like Gran Turismo or something it was, it was pretty spectacular I wouldn't know I don't play those <laughs> <sort of games. laughs>
3: but uh, yeah it was um, that's a, when storms hit that sort of that area of um, America they, they are proper storms I mean I, I sort of watch a lot of the American golf and, and last week's golf was um, delayed quite substantially because of the storms they were having in Florida um, yeah it was a big shame for um, Seb and his team because um, Harry Ticknell his uh, teammate was flying Sort of um during his stint, and if he 'd have been able to have another half hour or so, he reckons he could have got up to p three possibly even p two but unfortunately like you say the the lightning brought with it the the red flags, and so um the, the race was curtailed an hour early and so he didn't get the chance to get on the podium. But uh, I think generally things are looking pretty positive in terms of the speed of the car and what have you for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I'm sure a pretty unforgettable start to his uh, world endurance career.
3: Yeah, I've seen a few photos of the young Seb this yeah. week and there was one with, um, with Andy's old... Uh, uh, touring car teammate Augusto Farfus, I think it was, and you see a Seb who must have been I don't know seven or eight at the time, and he just like the, the childish grin, and it hasn't he hasn't lost that childish grin. because he's only twenty or twenty one now, um, but no, it's it's amazing sort of how far he's come and how quickly as well. And uh, yeah, like you say, he's on a he's on a like the world stage now, so it's uh, it's real sort of heady days for for Seb, and he he obviously deserves to be there because he showed great pace in in that prologue to get them sort of P one on the on the grid and. Yeah, and his team were not far off the podium um, when when the red flags came.
0: Yeah, huge season ahead. He's got a few weeks now until the next race, uh, which is at Spa on the 7th of May over in Belgium. And then it's the, you know, the big one, 24 Hours of Le Mans um, at the start of June. Then it goes on to Monza, Fuji and Bahrain. So uh, a serious calendar to get stuck into. Um, so we'll be following Seb's progress uh, very, very closely indeed. Um, right, that's it for part one. Coming up next, we'll be hearing from Sam Covwell. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, supported by Leapfrog Recruitment Consultants. If you're not already and you're enjoying the show, why not hit subscribe or follow on your podcast player of choice to get every episode delivered straight to you. And do give us a follow uh, and a share on social media as well. At uh, GSY Press Sport is the place to go on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, now, he's got a massive year ahead as well, but local pro Sam Coldwell has been back in the island to surprise his old fellow Club friends. Uh, the Trinity Racing rider turned out in the first road race of the season on Sunday uh, fresh from racing overseas just a couple of days before and took victory on the Leray circuit ahead of Commonwealth Games teammate James Rowe in a sprint finish. Ahead of that I caught up with him to talk about the season ahead, uh, the challenges of being a professional in 2022 and what he's learned in his time with Trinity so far. Just gives a sense some of, of uh, your, your sort of mindset heading into to this new season because you've had so much sort of disruption to your early career. Um, does this feel like a sort of fresh start almost
1: a little bit yeah i'm i'm hugely excited to get racing i'm just uh just back from uh, my first race and hugely excited for more um yeah you're quite right i had a lot of disruption in the last couple of years which has been uh really frustrating given like the step up to like being a ride for trinity and um doing all these under 23 races and then covid hits as soon as you get the opportunity and even last year it was quite disrupted we um I didn't get as many race days as I hoped. And then as things were really picking up at the end of the season, I unfortunately broke my wrist. So um, I missed out on Tour of Britain and some other big races there. So hoping um, this year goes a lot more smoothly and I get in a lot of races, a lot of opportunities and uh, can hopefully come away with a few results.
0: Yeah, given that sort of backdrop of disruption, uh it doesn't seem like you've sort of taken your foot off the gas in terms of hard work, you know, when you've been able to. I know um the last few weeks I've seen you sort of whiz past me a couple of times on the bike, um you know, obviously back here at home. I mean, how hard have you worked over the winter to, to get ready for this season?
1: Um, I've been training loads over winter here. I've I've been putting in the hours, I've trained harder than I ever have before. I mean, I guess it's easy enough to say, but I mean, I know I've put the effort in. Um, I've done a huge amount of hours and I've gone over to CalPay for e- extra training time before meeting the team over there um, in February to do a training camp with them. I've um, been hugely motivated to really get some results this year as um, I really do want to make that step up to a higher level. Um, easier said than done, of course, but um, you've got, you got to be optimistic. Um, I've put in the work. I know I've, I, th- I think I've got the ability to do it. It's just um, it's just really tricky in a race for everything to go well when you're there with 150, 175 guys who all want the same thing. They want to win the race or want their teammate to win the race. All of a sudden, the odds aren't, aren't really in your favor, but you just have to go for it and... One time it's going to go right and confidence breeds confidence really and once it goes right once then you never know what's going to happen
0: yeah and from your race experience so far what have you learned about how you kind of sort of muscle your way into contention in those those big groups
1: oh it's it's a definite shock and i think the lack of racing with covid really makes a huge impact given um positioning in the bunch and such like so for example the race i just did at the weekend the the race was really like decided by the wind it was pan flat, no climbing whatsoever, just windy. And it was havoc. We had narrow roads. You're in like an echelon um, in the gutter, just lined out in the gutter. You've got 10 guys taking it easy at the front, swapping turns, and the rest of us are just lined out behind, just like suffering in the gutter. <laughs> so positioning is so key there because you need to get up towards the front. But when, like I said, 175 other guys have the same idea as you, it makes it quite difficult. But that's when that's when that racing experience and hopefully getting lots of opportunities this year will enable me me to hone my race craft and um, improve my ability to position myself and ultimately give me a better chance of getting a result. Yeah, because do you feel like kind of physically
0: and sort of desire-wise you're
1: in the right place to, to be in the mix? Yeah, definitely. I think I've got the ability. I think I've trained really hard. I know what I'm capable of. It's just so tricky when, say, a move goes up a road and it sticks and... You're just slightly too far back. You can't get through the pack. You can't get onto that move, and then it's gone. That's a race-winning move, and you would have had the legs to go with it, but you just weren't quite in a position. And part of that's luck because you can't ride on the front all day. You can't just sit on the front and and go with every single move as much as you'd like to. As, sure. as much <laughs> as you'd like to. Like, if I was able to do that, then I would. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, so you just got you just got to pick and choose really. You and doing all the racing like more. Uh, more experience you learn which moves are going to stick which ones aren't um if it's going to come back to a bunch finish or if it is going to split in the wind and um and so forth so all that extra like sort of racing knowledge you gain from doing the racing will be invaluable and hope to gain that this year and and as i'm doing more racing like and i'm doing more racing get those opportunities um And learn how i'm going to go win those races really because i need to get some results this year
0: and you're back with trinity again this year um obviously the team that you kind of sort of made that jump with i guess to to to, off-island and to sort of pro competition what's the sort of team makeup like this year are you in a good place to to kind of feel the benefit of that support
1: Uh, for definitely yeah trinity is the the best possible team for me to be in Um, at this stage of my career they have great support we have great sponsors Um, and a really good setup as the years have gone on as this is trinity's third year now it um the team has expanded each year so we've got quite a lot of riders this year um we've gone we've certainly gone more multinational um so we've got some riders from brazil and colombia uh france uh, austria america australia we've got three people from australia who are riding for us as well as the brits so yeah we've got a lot of different nationalities in there um, but we all gel really really well together so at the team camps we all get on really well and um, we've got a really great mix between those climbers who so are going to go do those like hilly stage races and um, we've got some sprinters we've got some like uh powerful like classics guys and such like so we've got a really good spread of ability so we can all try and excel in what we're good at and we've also got the mountain bike side we've got several mountain bikers so we've got that extra discipline. Um, which is really cool to have
0: you mentioned some of those sort of styles of riding and those specialisms have, have you are you beginning to get a feel for where your best kind of efforts are placed in that sense
1: yeah definitely so i believe my best terrain is where it's flat and windy and also um what we call like bergy so got some like short steep climbs in there which are kind of um um well known in belgium like belgian style of racing like classics racing and and so forth um personally I'm not a big fan of mountains I'm just not the right build for that so um in the same way that someone who loves going up mountains doesn't like get riding on the flat so each to their own really but I'm definitely more of a punchy sort of strong rider who likes the flatter races um, and what's the agenda look
0: like for you um this season um you know as the sort of weeks and months sort of map out in front of you have you got some real key targets
1: uh yeah definitely so it's tricky because I've, I've just recently had COVID, which was really unfortunate given how much work I've put in. For um, The only good thing about it was that I didn't get it badly. I only had some mild cold-like symptoms for a couple of days and then back training. Just had a slightly reduced training volume for a few weeks, which before the first race wasn't really ideal, but... You just have to crack on and just uh, carry on with it. Really, so, do you feel mu-
0: much effects in training since then?
1: Um, no, so I've actually been feeling absolutely fine training. It's just you kind of disrupt your routine, really, what you do. So I'm sure, I'm sure I'll be, I'll be absolutely fine now. And the first race is always the hardest as well. You get that sprinting out of corners, like battling for position, all the sort of things you can't replicate in training. And then you go into a race and it's like, wow, this is this this is hard. This is, we're going proper hard here. Um, so. After, as soon as you get that first race out of the way, which I have now done, it's expected that you will feel better in the next one, which is this Friday. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, the key targets is really, I want to get some results in some, in some big races, um, which I need to do to step up. Uh, I'd love to ride uh, under 23 power roubaix just because the experience of that will be huge. It's it's a bit too unpredictable a race to really like, taper for it and put a goal on it due to the... Rather, um, the kind of the craziness of it in a way, with the like cobble, the really rough cobbles um, on the Paris Roubaix course means that punctures and mechanicals are um, very common. However, it's Get a, some training in on the high street. Yeah, out of that yeah for sure.
0: <laughs> I've seen footage of it before,
1: like in the wet. And, oh, it's, yeah, it it it's just carnage, chaos. it's yeah. carnage. But it's one of the best races. So, and if you put off a result there, it's huge. Um, I'd also love to do Tour Britain, which I was meant to do last year, but unfortunately was injured for with broken wrist. Um, and then, of course, Commonwealth Games, which is going to be massive. Um, got a really good squad going from Guernsey. Like, got, like the five of us who are going Yeah, The other guys, really strong. The four guys, um, Coxie, Seb, uh, James Ray, Mike and Yeah, hugely strong. Couldn't ask for better teammates, really. Um, for TT and then for the guys on Mountain Bike. And then we're we uh, all coming together for a road race, which will be uh, which will be really good. Yeah,
0: awesome. Um, you you obviously known about your Commonwealth selection for a little while. I know the the full squad was only confirmed um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but you know you've you've been there at, at Youth Commonwealth Games before and, and won a medal. How special will it be, given the the sort of extra experience you've had and and you know the strides you've taken you to, in your career since then, um, to pull on a, a Guernsey vest in Birmingham. And you know we saw Tobin come kind of agonizingly close to that sort of long awaited medal at Gold Coast. It sounded like a bit of a sort of mechanical mishap at the right at the death um denied him there. Have you got your eyes on being in the mix for a medal? Is that
1: is that realistic? It's a really tricky one. Um it's really difficult to set a goal for Commonwealth games, probably because of the time of the year and the location. So what I mean by that is Gold Coast was in April, so the there was a huge amount of European racing going on with the classics, so maybe not all of the top guys went to Golkas. there there's a hugely strong field there. But at this at this Commonwealth games it's a week after the Tour de France. So every and everyone's in Europe. Everyone's in Europe for their road season. All the Aussies are in Europe. All the New Zealanders are in Europe and and that so it, you could you could have probably one of the top two sprints in the world KW and turn up for a road race. You could have Mark Cavendish there. You could have previous uh former double world champ time trials row dennis Fair for Australia, and those guys are just on another level so it's it's tricky to set a goal, but I think you know you just gotta go for it, you don't know what's going to happen, the race might split in your favor and you make that split, and all of a sudden you're you're up there with those guys find it out um I certainly think it'll be a very hard race, a really fast road race uh given the the course and the profile it means it's going to be raced as a kind of commess style which is um some belgian like circuit racing um it's notorious for being very fast very hard on the gas all day accelerating out of corners um so we'll just go away and see but excited to go there with the team really i'm sure you absolutely love being part of the professional environment you're at with trinity
0: racing but the guernsey guys i I suppose you know so well um how much you look forward to just spending a few days with them and um, yeah, as I say, being part of that sort of Team Guernsey setup with, up uh, with a strong group of local riders.
1: Oh, definitely. So the the two Island games I've done in the past have always been like such good events, such great atmosphere with the team, where you got that camaraderie going. Um, it makes it such a nice experience. And then obviously when we do well in the games as well, it just tops it off. But the Commonwealth Games is going to be another level. You've got like the Athlete Village. It all feels very, like that very professional, very like high level environment um which is gonna be awesome to be able to share that with like the lads i've been racing with for years now um and gone away and done like mountain bike races with road races with island games with so it's really cool to get to share that experience with them as a couple of them uh, three of them have had um, previous come off games experience whereas for mark cox and it's our first one so they'll have a, a bit of um insight in there and from what they've said it's um something to really look forward to. And just finally, I mean, just kind of give us an insight into, into what, what life is like as a professional cyclist
0: at the moment. You were mentioning before that that Brexit has changed things in terms of kind of how many days away you can be based. It's obviously such a, a pan-European sport, isn't it? Um, have you had to kind of adapt your own thinking about sort of, yeah, where you base yourself and, and, and how much kind of stuff you can get
1: done training-wise and, and racing? Yeah, it was very difficult because due to Brexit you're only allowed 90 days in Europe in a 180 day period and when all the racing you want to be doing is in Europe it makes it quite tricky and quite difficult because you can't then stay out for say a month in Belgium and just like race every weekend um, and then stay out there in between because all of a that's 30 days gone that aren't going to tick off for another 180 days so you then you the thing you don't want to do is you don't want to get to the end of the year and not be able to race because you've run out of days. So last year with my wrist injury, I came back and I was actually on like eighty seven days or eighty eight days. So I was right on the cusp of um, using up all my days, um, but then I was injured anyway. So this year the approach with the team is with because we've got a busier calendar therefore more racing. We're flying in for a race, doing the race, and flying straight back out again to minimise the days we're spending in Europe, so that if we then have uh, days left over we can do like an addition say like mid-year I have I know I'm gonna have some spare days I can spend a week or two uh, training somewhere in Europe abroad to um as a bit of a training camp and uh, or I could stay in Belgium and just stay by myself in Belgium do some pro commesses or stay with some teammates if we all want to do the same sort of thing and also it means that for like stage races so if we've got like a week-long stage race in Europe you're not going to run out of days. To do it at the end of the year, in say September, you'll have enough days to travel there and do a week-long stage race and come back.
0: Does it make it more difficult for British riders to be sort of competitive
1: with you know their counterparts from France, Netherlands, Italy? Uh, only insofar as you've got the restriction on days, um, it just it does make travel harder. I know like the team have have trouble. Getting uh, equipment in and out, and every time about just because everything's checked now because of Brexit, which obviously it didn't used to, which is just another faff, really. Um, but in terms of being able to compete, it's fine for us because we're we're able to like the team's able to pay for us to like fly out there, do the race, fly back. Um, but for other people, it probably is harder. Um, I mean, you're always going to have that, as a cyclist, you're always going to have that cost to travel, whether you're driving to the to Europe or if you're flying you're always going to have that cost of travel but yeah the days does does make it quite difficult because you can't spend an extended period of time in in europe and train and then race you have to come back um so that does alter things a bit but apart from that it's business as usual well, hopefully you got your calendar in good order you know where you're gonna be on each day you'll be yeah, back and yeah, forth got, and got, it, got it all sorted hopefully so uh it should be good
0: yeah good stuff well thanks so much for coming in and telling us a bit about uh, life at the moment and uh, yeah can't wait to see how you go this season and um i'm sure we'll catch up with you before the commonwealth games thank you very much sam colwell speaking to me there um for sure he's due some luck this season and I really hope he gets uh, that big moment he's craving, I'm sure, uh, in given the right circumstances. And if he gets that chance, he'll seize it because uh, he's that kind of guy, isn't he? Um, so yeah, fingers crossed for him as the season unfolds. Looking forward to seeing how he gets on. Um, Right, it's a reasonably quiet weekend um, on Ireland this uh, weekend, but for Guernsey Cricket's men, they're uh, heading away for an early season training camp. They go to the Aegeus Bowl in Hampshire, so, a professional setup to train in ahead of what's going to be an absolutely packed summer of cricket against Jersey and international opposition, too. Uh, 17 players joining up for that camp over there. On the south coast, and uh, yeah, we've got an interinsular schedule and, and some international taunts as well, sort of locked in now, Gareth. I know it's
3: finally we've got a, like a, a cricket program to look forward to, where Guernsey are able to get off Ireland, and they've got plenty to look forward to. I mean, they're heading to Spain next month. They've got Finland for the ICC sort of um, World T20 qualifier in July and August, and uh, yeah, we've actually got a couple of dates with the old enemy back on the on the schedule, which is great. So um, yeah, looking forward to some um, some real high-class cricket.
0: Yeah, the word Finland almost is like a bit of a, uh, I don't know, last summer, every time it was mentioned, you sort of, I don't know, sort of stomach drops like, you're like, oh, I'm not going to try and get too excited about uh, well, this we prospect. Well, we have supposed to
3: have gone there three times, I think, <laughs> now, so... Um, Uh, It'd be great to actually get to Helsinki. I think um, Mark Latter's had far enough um, looking on the internet as to what uh, Helsinki holds, but um, they're actually going to get the the full-on experience this year, fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you mentioned Mark Latter there. We spoke to him uh, a short time ago to find out more about uh, the weekend's plans for the Aegeus Bowl and that season ahead sort of set the scene for this weekend then that's um you yeah, kind of what's it all about i mean sort of how's it come about and and, and what's it going to look like for the players that are there
2: born out of probably when we've had the first uh, indications that uh, nick was going to get back involved and then steph followed nick's doing a little bit at hampshire since he left middlesex and that gave us an opportunity to access the gs bowl with the training um going on as it had been pretty much like for the last two years up at college hall etc we wanted to change it up a bit and um, really uh, magnify the fact that this year was going to be different to the last two. That all being well, we're going to be out um, traveling, playing cricket um, off an island, and also having teams coming into Ireland. So we really wanted an opportunity to get the guys off the island and and really show that this was the change, get them away from the distractions of Guernsey, um, and obviously using a professional environment like the GS Bowl, take advantage of all that can
0: offer. Yeah, brilliant. It's obviously a professional setup. I mean, yeah, how much of a a bonus, I guess, is it for the players to have access to a facility like this?
2: Uh, great. I mean, we've obviously been very fortunate here. We've had um, fantastic facilities and still do with what we can use. What pre- Previously with the ICG and, and, and now at the College Hall, and we've got some work going there, and we're doing some work outside with our cricket nets here at KG5, and we've put some new ones down at Port Swarth. But I think it's, it's as much, yeah, using that opportunity to, to get into a facility like um, Hampshire, access to obviously Nick anyway, but also hopefully some of the Hampshire players will be about and just have a chat with those guys as well. So it's taking advantage of all the opportunities that we can get. And we've been fortunate that, you know, with cricket, with... The- um, relationships with Sussex and, and Hampshire. Now that we've got that opportunity to do so.
3: Yeah, do you find uh, that sort of over the last couple of years, because of the the whole pandemic situation, um, Guernsey cricket has obviously done very well in keeping going and played a lot of domestic cricket, and it's been great for our players to have that. But do you find that perhaps the the islands' elite might be a bit stale on Ireland and just to actually have that freshness of being somewhere different will will um, be a benefit to them um, for the for the Busy season ahead.
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think even in a normal season, um, we've always looked for opportunities to play beyond these shores, just to freshen things up. Whether it's been the C I League or going into the Sussex Leagues, etc. Um, and I think that the last two years have just, you know, highlighted um, that the, the reliance just on the domestic game isn't sufficient when we're going into the international game. And obviously, during that two years in different parts of the world, and we've seen what Jersey have been doing close at home. There has been some cricket going on, and we've missed a lot of that for, um, for the travel restrictions and issues that have been about. So it getting out and um, uh, getting exposure to different environments, taking the guys out of their normal comfort structure, just moving them out of their own bed, um, it just makes <laughs> things different. <laughs> some of them take more moving than others, <laughs> Then you know that, that just changes things up again. And as I said, I think I just want to make it look feel different straight away. Um, get the guys in a in a room without those distractions and really be able to get them to focus on um, the, the, the year ahead, which is going to be you know really busy. Will the um, sort
3: of initial focus be very much on on the T20 format with the way the the schedule is now structured for the rest of the summer?
2: Yeah, I think really up until we get to Finland. So we're there 22nd July, come back 1st of August. Pretty much up to then, everything domestically. And training-wise and the other games we've got coming up against Jersey, etc., are all going to be focused on the T20 and the trip to Spain. And then it probably then switches to 50 over when we then move with the GCA Cup domestically and also then um, the under-19 50-over tournament, which we're hosting, and then culminating with the inter 3rd of September over in Jersey, which will be the 50-over inter Trophy. So, yeah, season of two halves, I guess. (laughs)
3: <laughs> um, and just uh, explain to um, to our listeners how the how this um, trip to Spain also came about because um, obviously we, we were looking for some um, warm up fixtures ahead of the the Finland tournament, but um, we're, we're going to be playing some some international cricket as, as early as uh, April.
2: Yeah, so we would we were conscious that we've not really been playing competitive cricket at international level, obviously, for a couple of years. Albeit, As you said, we managed to keep the domestic thing going and, and keeping that in the spotlight. So with the tournament coming up in Finland, we really wanted to see what we could do um, on the international level. And we had looked at an opportunity in Germany which hasn't followed through. Um, and then we were chatting to the guys in Spain and we obviously, with the Griffins being down there recently, that was obviously high in our mind. And we looked at the opportunities that Desert Springs could offer us as we know the guys there well that conversation expanded with john howden down in spain uh norway then came into the fray so we decided to put this tri-series on so it pretty much came together in about a week um in terms of the packages they offered um and then sorting out flights and getting down there so it's worked pretty well you can put- um
3: <laughs> sorry i was going to say you can put that together in about a week and it's taken you how long to put Interinsulars together <laughs>
0: Uh, Yeah.
2: Um, Getting to Spain is sometimes a little easier than the island across the water shall we say
0: and you mentioned griffins there a couple of those players um who were involved down in spain earlier in the year um aren't part of that training camp for the weekend for, for whatever reason i'm sure we'll see them again uh, very soon but what, what did you make of um griffin's involvement in that european cricket league obviously the first time we've seen a guernsey team part of that tournament did you or did it sort of tick the box as you expected it to
2: yeah, no, um, I know Daniel for a few years now, Western who runs the ECL stuff and he, anything he does is, is is professionally done and is is top quality. And when we first discussed it with him a few years ago about Guernsey joining the other European um, nations in having some involvement within the ECS and ECL setup, um, it was always great to to finally see it happen. and I think it it went beyond our expectations in terms of the quality of the production that we were able to, to view. And I know from speaking to Rob and uh, Lua and a few of the Griffins guys on the ground, it was phenomenal setup as well. And they were made to feel like pros. So it's, it's a great opportunity. Um, we'll obviously be doing that again. So whoever comes through the Ode Wealth Evening League One this year will go to represent um, Guernsey again in twenty three. Um, and I think after everybody's seen what the Griffins experience has been like they've probably whetted their appetite for that then
3: um, With that in mind, is there going to be a bit of um, t10 on local soil this summer to sort of like um, prepare teams for, for that um, the shortest format of the game
2: um, no. Um, I think uh, I think one of the things that cricket um, can sometimes bamboozle itself is with the various formats that it has. Some people don't even understand test cricket and we're starting to time now to introduce 10 over cricket. I think um, the 20 over cricket is our um, bread and butter and that would be the primary format we'll play in the evening league. We've got the hundred ball um version which we'll start the seasons with um which is like pre sort of the preseason season knockouts that we've had before but using that format so we're trying to keep, rationalize the formats down as best as possible and then our 50 over weekend cricket um i think it can get a bit, a bit confusing um the various which set of pajamas you put on which ball <laughs> color you use uh how many overs it is is it morning afternoon etc etc um probably confuses the umpires as much as the players. So uh, we're trying to keep it as simple as possible. But I think the format, you know, is one, as we saw there, I mean, you can prepare to it to a certain extent, but ultimately it's such a quick flash game that if somebody gets their eye in, and it's their day. I don't think with how much preparation you've done, you're going to do much about it. Yeah.
0: And just, just to return to um, the training camp and, and going forward, in terms of the sort of coaching expertise, you've been able to hook in then with with Nick Pothis, who'll be there at the weekend. Um, Stefan Jones, who'll be joining up with the squad in Spain, by the sounds of it, um, who's got, a, a, you know, a little bit of a, uh, a a small gig over with Rajasthan Royals in the IPL to, to deal with first, get that out of the way. Um, and you've got Frithy as well involved, um, helping out with the spinners. It's it's quite a, um, a sort of star-studded backroom team you've got now.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, ultimately, and Nick would be the first one to say this, it doesn't matter what the name is on the back of the shirt. They've got to obviously do the job. Um, and their their history and their reputation counts for nothing. It's what they do now with us, and that's the same for anyone in the involved in the setup now. But yeah, when when Nick um, was uh, leaving Middlesex and was taking a sort of year out, um, I was really lucky to get that call um, and say, look, you know, do you want me to back get back involved? I can offer you some time. Would you like that? And off the back of that, Steph followed and said, I like working with Nick. I like working in Guernsey with you guys. Um, if he's there, I'm happy to find time amongst my schedule, as you say with Rajstown Royals, and he's also doing some stuff, I think, with the um, Red Sox, with the baseball, with the the, the sort of whole mechanics of bowling and throwing. So, you know, to get the guys of that calibre is amazing. Um, And they love being with the Guernsey team, and the Guernsey guys can only benefit from that, both the coaching group, which is as important as the players, so there's a legacy left when they're not here, because their reputation is such we don't expect to have them forever. Um, But in the time we've got them, they can hopefully upskill both the players and the coaching staff to carry on where they leave off. So it was great to have them involved, but obviously on the ground, and when they're not here, we need a team as well. Um, and Friffy coming in for that is again um, the proverbial no brainer. And his knowledge of spin, and also, you know, both the bowling and the playing of spin. And as we saw with the Griffins on some of the grass wickets, there's a lot of spin used by teams around Europe. So his, his knowledge will be invaluable.
3: We can't get him playing again, can we? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there was a possibility. <laughs>
3: Um, just um, as part of the um, release we got this week obviously we, we've now got sort of dates for the interinsulars set which is obviously great um, can you just explain sort of some of the I mean obviously the pandemics had a had a big impact on this but it's it's been a remarkably difficult thing to actually arrange these games with Jersey because while we've got a busy summer ahead Jersey've got the almost the most ridiculous playing schedule I think uh, an island would have ever had I mean what sort of um, obstacles have you had to over- overcome to, to actually find some dates in the calendar to, to play against uh, our neighbours?
2: Um, well, from the outset, we, we tried to get the, the dates into the calendar really quickly because we appreciated that this year with everybody being able to travel, you have been fighting against holidays and other um, distractions. So we tried to sort of sort it out pretty quickly. But as you, or invariably we come up against the fact that the ICC calendar doesn't set too early. So we did our best to get some dates in the calendar um, early doors chatting with uh, Neil and the guys in Jersey and then the ICC started to release Jersey's schedule which included the global T20 in Zimbabwe in the first part of the year in June they would staying out in Africa then to go down to Uganda to play in the second round of their challenge um, B competition and then they finally discovered they had the third round of that which is now in um, the same time when we're hosting the 19s in uh, the end of July August so effectively they were basically um, out of action in terms of inter competition with us um, from the sort of end of May to the early part of August, which um, is a phenomenal schedule for those guys and hats off to them to be able to manage it and cope with it. I'm saying that now. They might not do by the time we <laughs> get to uh, talk about it in August, but it's a phenomenal schedule to have to do for what are you know effectively amateur players. So amazing that they've got that. And as it meant we basically had to really sort of shunt everything up to the sort of May, early June period and then send everything to the back end of August, September. Um, in terms of the fifty over, hence, you know, in a way, it's not ideal for the juniors to like playing on the fifteenth, because in that sense, their season's almost over before it started. Um, but we've got them; they've got a trip up to Liverpool to play the Northwest teams, and there's some other stuff going on. So we we'll extend their season through. But yeah, I mean, to lose three months effectively of the rump of summer um was a bit of a challenge to get around and then the other logistical hurdle is that you know in terms of inter-island travel um the flight timings have to be extended for us to be able to play cricket because we, we don't just play for 90 minutes we can play for seven hours plus all the bits around it so that's been a negotiation, but we're fortunate that uh, Brent and the guys at Blue Islands have now moved schedules around to allow us to actually get in and out and get a game of cricket on.
0: Yeah, great stuff. Busy, uh, yeah, busy summer of cricket on both sides of the water. Foot For you, will it be that, um, that that sort of moment to breathe a sigh of relief when the coin goes up on the twentieth of May? All being well.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's, it's always the same. You start sort of in February, uh, in November, October looking at these sort of fixtures in the previous year then it gets to january then you sort of release it and then you suddenly realize it's april and there's a game in two weeks so you just hope that everybody turns up at the right place and everything starts to happen but once it gets going it has its own momentum and we're looking forward to a
0: great summer yeah i can't wait to see it um cheers lads thanks for your time thanks, thanks lads no worries mark latter from guernsey cricket speaking to us just before um great to hear about all those plans uh, what else has going on this weekend gareth anything that stands out
3: um, well, like you say before, Tony, there's, there's not a huge amount on Ireland happening, um, but we do have the first uh, hill climb of the motorsports season. This one's at Petitbow. Bow's changed dates from its usual October, which always seem to bring with it a, a, a huge downpour. Pettibow always <laughs> It's seems... not the driest place to begin <laughs> uh, with, is it, Petty? No, it, but unfortunately, for the last several years, it always seems to rain cats and dogs on on the Bow hill climb day, but uh, um, they've moved it to the start of the season, and so that will be... Um, that will be on Saturday. Uh, we've also got um, a couple of pre League games with uh, Rovers hosting Bells and uh, Sylvans playing Aldney. Obviously, Aldney are, you know, probably now into their preparation for the Moratti semi-final. Now, that we've actually got a date for that as well. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things locally, but um, Raiders and GFC are both off-island, so... Um, Uh, foots lane will be relatively quiet for a change
0: yeah well get out there and enjoy the sunshine i guess um thanks very much we'll be back next week thanks again to leapfrog for their support of the show um we'll catch up next week gareth
3: cheers Tony.